Hello, welcome. My name is Joe. I am your host. This is the Joe Martino Show. Today I want to talk to you about how do we get to feelings and emotions. It probably isn't the way that we think. Let's kick it off. You're listening to the Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, I want to ask you a question. How do we get to a feeling? How do we get to an emotion? How do we get to where we see a weather report and we're just sick and tired of winter? How do we get to any emotion or feeling that we have? Here's what most people believe, and I'm going to ask you if you agree with this. Something happens. In fact, I want you to draw this out if you can. If you're driving, that won't be practical. But if you're not driving, just find it, find your phone, find a piece of paper and a pen, whatever, and just write out one, two, three. Step one, something happens. Whether it's we get a weather report that we're getting another polar vortex, there's a snowstorm, you get a phone call from a relative in another state, whatever it is, something happens. That's step one. Okay, step two, I have, or you have, since we're talking about you, not me, uh, you have a belief about what happened. So step one is something happened. Step two is you have a belief about what happened. This belief is good, bad, it doesn't matter. You just have a belief about what happened. You interpret it and you add value or detract value from whatever happened at that moment. Number three, the final step We have an emotional reaction or a feeling that is the result of number one. That is to say it's the result of what happened. We have an emotional reaction or a feeling that is the result of what happened in step number one. Okay, so on your paper, you should have step one, something happens. Step two, you have a belief about what happened. And step three, you have an emotional reaction or a feeling based on what happened in step number one. If you agree with that... Go check, check, check. This is how most people would believe that we come to our emotions. Something happens and we have an emotional reaction to what happened based on what happened. And the problem with that is, and then in order to change our feelings, we have to change what happened. And most of the time that's not possible. We don't have that level of control. I actually think this is one of the reasons that even though we live in a time where we have the most resources for mental health, we have the most awareness for mental health, we have a false belief that in order for us to change our emotions and our feelings, we have to change our circumstances. We have to change what happened to us. And there are times that we do have to change those things, but even in those, we can still control our emotions, control our feelings, based on what we believe. If you guessed that this was wrong because we have to change what we believe about what happened in order to control our emotions and our feelings, you are the winner, winner. Go buy yourself a chicken dinner. Can you tell I'm in a baseball mood as we near the start of the season? One of the most difficult things for people to accept is that our life is run by our thoughts. Now, they don't have a problem with that. It's the next part that they tend to struggle with. It's typically run by irrational thoughts. In fact, there was a guy named Albert Ellis who developed an entire school of psychotherapy, which is a fancy way of saying talk therapy, around this idea. Here is a quote from an article that I found on the topic. 
According to Ellis, quote, people are not disturbed by things, but rather by their view of things, end quote. The fundamental assertion of rational emotive behavior therapy, REBT, is that the way people feel is largely influenced by how they think. When people hold irrational beliefs about themselves or the world, problems can result. This is important to consider because if, if, what we're, if what he's saying is true, you have far more control over your happiness, over your thoughts, over your uh, emotional state than most people think. And it should hopefully give you hope. Now, I've been heavily influenced by Ellis and his REBT. It's all through my therapy. One of the things that's kind of the cool buzzword for most therapists in the last, I don't know, three decades is when they come out of school and you say, hey, what's your theory that you operate out of? Because clients don't really care. Only other therapists care. Uh, everyone says eclectic. Everyone, which is fine. But we're all influenced more by different theories. And certainly one of the ones that I am most influenced by is what's called REBT because what I realized early on in my career, in truth before my career, was that very little, very few people have much control over what's going on around them. But everyone controls 100% what is going on, what they believe about what is going on. I'll say that again. Everyone controls 100% what they believe about what's going on around them. Here's how Ellis broke it down, and then I'm going to tell you how I break it down and how I think it can help you change your life. Ellis used what was called the ABC method, and what he said was we have an activating event. This is the A. Something happens, something is said, you have a memory, you have a thought, you're in a situation, something's going on. That's the activating event. And then you have beliefs. These are the things that are going through your head. You want to choose the hot thoughts when you're thinking about this. The one that was the most distressing. What were those types of thoughts? Because those typically produce, the, that's B, right? Beliefs. What did you believe? Pick the hot ones the, the, out of that belief. And then we get C, consequence, A, B, C. And those hot thoughts are typically the ones that produce the strongest feelings in the consequence. A, B, C. Antecedent, antecedent belief consequence. Now, I don't really change that much. I just say it's like this. Something happens, you have a belief about it, and you have a reaction to that belief. And so you have to find a way. If you want to change uh, your life, if you want to control your feelings, control your emotions, you have to engage in the belief line, not the activating line, not the event line, not that events happening line. You have to engage the belief line. The problem is that most of us skip over that step in our head. Our thoughts happen so fast, they move so quickly, we don't, uh, we, we don't think about them, which is funny to say that we don't think about our thoughts, but we don't. They just run straight through, straight past us, and we're uncertain about them. We don't think about them, we don't record them, and we can't challenge something we're not aware of. Let's run this out for a minute. Let's say... Let's say that you're like Albert Ellis and you're a young man and you want a relationship, you desire a relationship, and yet you have a fear of talking to women. Most of the time, people would just address that by, certainly if they're just doing it through self-talk, they would be like, oh, there's nothing to be afraid of, what's wrong with you? And they would go after the fear of women, right? They would, would say, so, you know, women aren't fearful, or they'd actually go after themselves and they would talk negatively to themselves, might call themselves an idiot, etc., etc. Instead of engaging the middle step, which is the belief about what they think is going to happen if they talk to women. 
So what Ellis did was he asked himself, what's going to happen if I talk to women? What's my fear? And he had a fear that somehow they would they would judge him. They would be difficult to talk to. These are all different beliefs that he had. They might judge him. They were difficult to talk to. They might not like him. They might, you know, there might be bad things that would happen. And then he forced himself to talk to 100 different women over the course of a month. So that's about three, four a day, right? Just just a little over three a day. How he got that third of a person, I don't know. But so he did this, and what he found was it wasn't that big a deal. His anxiety about talking to people went down. So he did a dual track intervention here. He went after what he was thinking, and he forced himself to run many experiments to find out what if what he was thinking was accurate. If the thought was inaccurate, he called it an irrational belief, and that's the term rational emotive behavior therapy. We want to have emotions and behaviors that are rational, that line up, that that intersect with each other in a way that is cogent, that makes sense. Most of the time what happens is when our anxiety kicks in, we're worried about something that probably isn't going to happen. And this can be a very hard sell. If you love someone with anxiety, you know this can be a hard sell to them, that it's not actually what's going to happen or what they think is happening that is causing them the anxiety. What's actually causing them the anxiety is what they believe about it, and they have the power to change what they believe about it. Right. So let's run this out even to something like your wife is not treating you the way that you would like her to treat you. You have zero control over that. And you should address it, right? Especially if it's toxic and it's destructive. But at the same time, a lot of people, they'll get spun out because they wrongly believe that their wife has to treat them the way that they want to in order for them to be happy. And there's a problem there. That's giving the power of their happiness to someone else. Or what if you constantly believe that other people are judging you or you believe that you have to be 100% competent and successful in everything to be valued? These are not accurate thoughts. In fact, one of the most interesting things, whenever they study uh, high school or, or, or middle school children and they ask the school, list the popular kids, list the kids with the best self-esteem, what they find is, is the answer is nobody because all the kids that get listed, they might be popular, but they still have all of the same self-view issues that the, quote, non-popular kids have. As you get into... Uh, older life and they say you know they ask people how often do you judge other people for their shoes or what they're wearing the answer is rarely and yet people often pick their shoes and their clothes because they think other people are going to judge them based on what they wear and if they can't have the thing that they want this causes them to be unhappy a another example of a potentially irrational belief might be the idea that I have to be in a relationship in order to be happy. If you're single, you might believe I have to be in a relationship to be happy. That would be an irrational belief. Uh, the president that I support has to be in office for me to be happy. Again, an irrational belief. I have to have this job to be happy. In truth, what I would suggest and what science would back up is you have to learn to be happy in every situation that you're in. I know I've mentioned this in the past, but I want to make sure that I bring the point home. People who are optimistic versus people who are pessimists, when they do the research, they all have the same types of events happen to them. They all have the same positive events, the same negative events happen to them. 
But what happens is the person that's optimistic tends to be more on the lookout for the positive events. The person that's pessimistic tends to be more on the lookout for the negative events. And this creates a whirlwind that becomes self-feeding and it moves a person one way or the other. You are the only person who gets to choose how you spend your life. That includes how you spend your thinking, how you spend your brain energy, your cognitive energy, the things that you look at and how you interpret them. You're the only person who can condition yourself to challenge your thinking, to challenge your beliefs, to challenge the things that run through your head in the middle of any given situation. The difficulty that we all face is that we have to bring that ability out to our awareness level. And so what was developed many years ago by other therapists that I still use today with my with my clients is a thought journal. And there are a couple ways to do this. The way that I have found to be the most meaningful for clients is to schedule time in their day to sit down and think about their day and think about the things that they experienced through that day and how they felt about them with a very specific purpose in mind. You can also do this immediately after an event where you had a strong emotional reaction. And all you simply do is sit down with a sheet of paper and write out A, letter A, number one. What happened? Write down the activating event. Try to keep this one to just the facts. So whatever the facts were, just write them down. Write them down completely. Write down what happened. And just give yourself time. Don't rush this. Don't judge it. Just write it down. Just get it all down on paper. When you're done, get it all. When you're done getting it all down on the paper, go through and look th- for facts versus feelings or beliefs. Anything that's a feeling or a belief in there, just underline it. We're not going to remove it. We just want to make sure that we see that there. So in this one, under the what happened, we're going to write down what happened. So let's say that the weather people stated that there's going to be another snowstorm tonight, and I am just depressed about it. I would write down whether people stated there's going to be another storm tonight and I am depressed about it. Those are both facts. I feel terrible about it. That's also a fact. How I feel is a fact. We can't argue how I feel. We can argue what led me to it and hopefully we can develop an ability to challenge what led me to it. But we have to accept that that's how I feel and that is a fact of my life. I feel this way about the impending storm. Now we move to beliefs. So this is number two. Or if you're using Ellis's sheet, it would be the letter B. And write down everything that was going through your head when you heard that. Everything. Write down it all. Write it all down. Choose the hot thought. What was the thing that dominated all the rest? Which for me would be like, I'm just sick of cold weather and snow. And normally I enjoy the four seasons. I enjoy winter. But this year it's been so brutal. It's been ice on top of snow and snow on top of ice. And then high winds and killer temperatures and minus 30 wind chill factor. And I'm just tired. I believe that I just am tired. And somewhere in there, if I'm willing to really root and really kind of dig through my soul, somewhere in there is this feeling of I just can't take anymore. And maybe that's the hot thought. Maybe if we were to rate that on zero, not at all, to 100, maybe that's up in the 80s or the 90s. I just can't handle this anymore. Now, at this point, Ellis would have you move to Uh, the consequences. And so we'll put that in as step three. What are the consequences of what you believed about what was going on? What are the consequences about believing I just can't handle this anymore? What were the consequences of whatever you wrote in that second column under that second bullet point? What was your feelings? What was your emotions? 
You want to chase those down. You want to write them all out. So what did you what did you do? How did you feel? Underline the thing that was most associated with the activating event and the hot belief, right? So you want to make sure that you can kind of look at the paper or the computer screen and see a clear line between this happened, this is what I believed, and this led to this feeling and these actions. And so you're going to write all that down. Now, typically at this point, what people do, because this is this habit is ingrained in us, is they start trying to eliminate the thought. And so what I'm doing right now is I'm snapping my thumb, but I don't want you to think about me snapping my thumb. Stop thinking about me snapping my thumb. Don't think about me snapping my fingers. I'm not snapping my fingers. Stop thinking about me snapping my fingers. Don't think about me snapping my fingers. Why can't you think about me? Why can't you stop thinking about my snapping fingers? Stop thinking about my snapping fingers. You can't do that, of course. For the vast majority of people, thought stopping doesn't work. So what we want to do is we want to do thought changing. We want to do focus shifting. Right? We can do that a couple ways. One, we can do mindfulness, which I've, in the past I've had people ask me what mindfulness is. Mindfulness is just focusing on the moment. So, for instance, my wife, when she takes tests, she can have high anxiety because she's been told most of her life that she's not very smart, that she's not very good at tests, which is just stupid because she's actually probably one of the most brilliant women you'll ever meet. However, she doesn't, she hasn't done well on tests in the past. And so recently, in order to be a counselor in the state of Michigan... You have to take a national boards exam, which she took, and she practiced mindfulness throughout the whole test because as she's sitting there and she's getting anxious, there's this voice running in her head espousing her beliefs about this test and how she can't do it, how she's not smart enough, how she's going to mess it up, and she's going to waste it all that time in school. And she said, I, well, she passed on her very first time. And how she passed was she knew the material, of course, but she used mindfulness, deep breathing, to just focus on the test in front of her to just focus on what was going on in front of her. And she used that skill, that tool, to help her stay in the moment. So you can do this with me. We've talked about this a couple of other episodes. Right? If you start to get anxious, I want you to just take a deep breath. This is a tool to help you with your emotions. Take a deep breath. Allow your breath to determine its length. In other words, just take it in as far as it'll go till you feel like you're completely full with air. And then just hold it for a few seconds. Four would be your goal. Just a nice easy four count, one, two, three, four, and then release and just let it out slowly and surely. Let it out and then just sit in silence for four seconds. In total, it should take you about 16 seconds to do that exercise and what it does is it physically calms you down. It allows your thoughts to be there, it allows them to be real, it allows your feelings to be there and to be real, but it gives them less weight. It takes some of the weight out of them. You can even do this while you're filling out your thought journal because you're probably going to be dialed up. If you're actually engaging in this, and if, especially if you're doing it right after a severe feeling, right, and you've got a high rating on that number two column for the hot thought, you could keep doing these deep breathing. The best thing, though, the thing that I love the most is to go through my beliefs and look for the things that aren't true. Look for the things that if you were calm and, quote to quote Ellis, rational, you wouldn't believe. And then write out what you would believe if you were calm and rational. Write out the counter thought. So, so you accept the negative thought. You accept the hot button thought. You accept the thought that's driving you. And you write out the counter thought. This works in a ton of settings. This works for people who are anxious. This works for people who feel, notice the word feel, they're feeling emotion. Like they're going to explode if they don't engage in an addictive activity. It works all the way across the board. And it allows you 
to find the truth, to find the, the, the thought that isn't quite, as Ellis would have put it, rational. I might say that isn't truthful. And to, to shift it from a lack of truth to truth. Find the hot thought that is driving your action or your reaction, your your response that you don't want, that's driving your feeling that you don't want, and find the counter thought that will help lower it. And then you go through and write that. And if you use this skill again and again and again, eventually you'll do it without thinking about it. You'll start to scan the mental landscape of your mind for your thoughts and your beliefs about what's going on and how that thought and belief is transitioning you into actions and feelings that you don't want to be engaging in. And you'll do this as a habit and it will help you lower your anxiety. It will help you lower your your response to stress, which if, if you've seen me speak at all, if you've been anywhere that I am, I always make a distinction be- between stress and anxiety. Stress is outside of me. It happens to me. Anxiety is how I respond to it. Often we just call one stressors and the other stress, but it's not quite the same. Stress stress is done by outside forces. Anxiety is an internal thing, and we can't typically just shut it off, but what we can do is we can go after our thoughts that turned it on and try to reshape them to move them uh, down a little bit so that we can ride out that, that chemical storm inside our body that is our body's physical response to our anxiety. All right, I hope this works for you. I hope that you find this to be a beneficial system. If you have questions, please write in, let me know. You can reach me at joemartino.com. I do want to tell you about an upcoming parenting conference that my wife and I are going to have. We're going to do these once a month. They're going to be two hours every Saturday, or not every Saturday, whoa, one Saturday a month, uh, every month. And what we're going to do is we're just going to pick topics and we're going to have a, a one hour session on each topic. So our first conference session, we're going to talk about anxiety in your children and how you can help them. And I'm going to talk about consequences, having the why I believe that less severe consequences that are more repeatable are better uh, suited to help you raise children into adults that you want, that, that you can move through your, your children's difficult years without feeling like you're going to have to pull your hair out by going through less severe, more repeatable consequences. My wife's going to talk about anxiety and how you help your children through anxiety, how you help them limit their anxiety, how you help them navigate life with anxiety. She does a ton of this with her clients. She is the wizard, and you're not going to want to miss her session. Seating is limited. It is $15 an individual or $25 for a couple, and you don't have to be, like, it doesn't have to be parents. It could be you and your neighbor, but if you both register, uh, one person can pay, and you guys can figure it out between Venmo or Apple Pay or cash or checks or credit cards. However you pay each other, you can split it up into $15, into uh, $12.50. Somebody can buy you a cup of coffee. So it's $15 an individual or $25 for a couple. It will be Saturday, March 23rd from 9 to 11. Sign-up sheets are not up yet. We're just trying to get information out. You'll want to go to one of our Facebook pages, probably facebook.com forward slash Joe Martino Counseling. Sign up for that. Sign up for notifications. And as soon as the sign-up sheet is up, we will uh, put it up there. You can also go to my webpage, joemartino.com, and sign up for there. Uh, we, I believe sign-ups will be up by Monday, March 11th. If you have any questions, write us, joemartino.com, contact me. All right, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. 
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at You can also go to joemartino.com and click on the Contact Me page. Until next time, remember, change possible.